Uh, I want to keep talking to you about things in life that you can actually do something about. And I really hope that you don't get um, complacent. Because things aren't working the way they should, don't just give up. Don't do that. Keep doing what you know is right. The, the problem, obviously, is it, here's, here's what's going to happen. If you go keep doing what's right, then you are saying that some people are wrong. And it's really hard for your generation to do that. I'm not saying that you need to tell somebody you don't love them. That's different. There are people that you can love that think totally opposite of you. Uh, isn't that right, Parker, with Bear fans? I'm just saying. It's possible. See, it's, it's important that you understand what, what happens a lot of times, there's manipulation that takes place. There's, there's people that basically say, either you agree with me or you hate me. That's really not the only option. You can actually disagree with somebody and not hate them. And that's important for people to grab because otherwise you can't have any dialogues. And you need dialogue. So what you need to do is never get complacent, never get to the point where you say, I know it's true, but I'm not going to listen to it. You, you don't do that. However, if you begin to think, well, since this is what I think the truth is, and these people don't live by it, I don't like them, that's another story. That's something you can't do. However, when I say that, I also say you need to keep yourself pure. The Bible makes it clear you're not unequally yoked. You don't go and, and make sure that the people who are godless, who are doing wrong things, become the most influential people in your life. You don't do that either. But that still doesn't mean you don't love them. See, that, that's the problem you got to overcome. Uh, yesterday, I just said, you, you really need to work on being self-disciplined, and you do. You need to work at being able to say no to yourself, to be able to do what's right. That's, that's a simple thing in life to do. Uh, whether it just be your eating habits, your exercise habits, whatever it is. If you know what's right, you need to do it. Hey, notice again, I didn't say if you feel like doing what's right. No, if you know what's right, you need to do that. that that's the important part. Tonight, what I want to do is talk about the idea of holding to the standards that you know is true in the Bible, like family. We talked about redefining words last night, and the family in our country has been redefined. If you know what it means, according to our country, then you're a genius. Because family can be a, a number of things. Now, now here's what you gotta understand. Everything I say tonight, I'm talking about the ideal that God's put forth in his word that, that you can go toward. It's the ideal. It, it isn't that people who don't do that, again, you don't love, whatever else it might be. It doesn't even mean that if you don't experience this, you can't have a good family. But there is an ideal, you know. There's, there's a way that God made it. And so what we want to do is try to line our lives the best we can with the way God made it. That's all we're trying to do. And God made it very special. There's a fact up here. It just basically, in 1956, approximately 5% of babies in the United States were born to unmarried mothers. Today, things have obviously changed tremendously. 2008, first year of United States history, and 40% of all babies were born to unmarried mothers. And it's been that way for eight years. So until 2016, that's the last research I could see. 
The loss of family, this, this, is, this is something that's really hard because it affects so many people. It affects everybody along the way. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but God made men and women different. He just made us different. I'm never going to be able to give birth to a child. I'm not saying that, that women are superior, men are superior. I'm saying we're different. What we need to do as believers is recognize the difference and celebrate it. Not be trying to make it the same. It's not the same. We need to enjoy how things are different. I've often said, uh, Linda, and any mother I know has a connection with their children that's just unbelievable to me. But it should be unbelievable to me. I didn't bear them. I never fed them from my body. I never experienced those things. I'm dead. Now, honestly, I have a different role to play. Here's my own theory. I think that, that moms oftentimes are just automatically connected to their children through that birth process. I think they are. I think every one of you, deep down in your heart, you want to have a close relationship with your dad. Because that's something you have to work at. That's something that doesn't come from birth, by the way. That comes from relationships. And that's why when you see statistics of absent dads, that's, that's meaningful. It's, again, not something that everybody is ruined from in life. It, it doesn't happen that way. There are a lot of good single moms out there that did the best they can to raise their kids, and they did a good job. But that's not the ideal. That's not how it was meant to be. And that's what you want to look for. Because it's, because it's so prevalent, we've stopped talking about what's ideal because we're afraid that people will be hurt and bothered by the fact that we say, actually, a family, the way that it's supposed to be, is one man, one woman, committed to each other for life, and the children grow up in an environment should be having that kind of environment. When that doesn't happen, you've got orphans, you've got other things that take place, you've got foster care issues, you've got, you know, it, it's not that the... the the issues aren't all solved if a man and wife stay together because they can be abusive too. But there's an, a, a scheme, a plan that God made, and, and he said, this is the best way to do it. We need to be people, if we understand the Bible and we understand the truth and we're not going to be complacent, that say, okay, the family unit is something that's very important in the Bible, so I'm going to define it the way God does and I'm going to work towards that family unit in my life. I can't do that in anybody else's life, but you can work on it, I can work on it. I can, I can hopefully be a stable father, a stable husband, a committed person, until the day I die. And when I die, obviously, then there's an empty chair next to Linda. And, and then my kids won't have their dad around anymore. Now, they're in their 30s, so I'm not sure that it, it'll still affect them, but not like if they were 10. It's interesting how we redefine life and we're trying to erase the differences. I'm here to tell you that I, we should celebrate the differences, not erase them. We should celebrate the differences in talent and gifts and ability. We should celebrate the differences between men and women. We're not saying one is superior, by the way. We're saying they're different. See, that's the okay part, different. 
And because we're believers, we can celebrate that because the body principles, all the different stuff, we understand that. Here's, here's a troubling thing. In California Attorney General Xavier Bacara, if I pronounce that right, this week, added Idaho to the list of 11 states where state-funded travel isn't allowed because he determined that they violate the California law intended to guard against discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. What happened basically was Idaho has a law that basically says um, female athletes need to be in female sports and male athletes need to be in male sports. That's basically their law. California is saying that's discriminatory. They're saying that you need to be able to choose what gender you are, and whatever gender you are, you can compete in that sport. Idaho's saying, I'm sorry you were born a gender. Eh? Really, we're trying to keep it so that... Now, you might say, you know what, that's, no, that's, not, that's not really equal. That, that's trying to say that something's equal that isn't. You can take, for example, at some level, yes. When my kids were small, I have two daughters, they played Little League with all the other guys, and it didn't matter. At, at that level, you can all play at the same level, I think. But if you take the world's best basketball players, male and female, and put them in a game against each other, it, it's not fair. The differences are stark. You take the best, the world's best hockey players, and the world's men and women, and put them against each other, see what happens. Again, it, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. What I'm saying is they're different. We're built different. That's okay. Celebrate it. I like women's sports, by the way. I like to see the competition, and I like to see them go against each other and enjoy the competition. Nothing wrong with that. If it's something that, that doesn't matter on some of those levels of height and all that kind of stuff, I mean, if it's a competition on the chessboard or somewhere else, sailing, you know, I, I don't really know what I'm talking about on some of those things, but I, obviously some things don't matter. There's a lot of you ladies in this room, if you wanted to challenge me to a sport, you'd just wipe me out. Again, it's not equal. I'm 64 and I... I got sore joints all over the place. I tell you what, though, we're not talking better or worse here. We're just talking about celebrating each other and who we are. There's nothing wrong with me. So I, I, used, I, I actually love watching women's basketball. They're very disciplined. They're good at what they do. I, I'm not sure I want to see them go against Shaq. Or Michael Jordan in his prime. I, I mean, I don't want to see that. And, and I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying there's a difference there, isn't there? Can't we celebrate who we are and enjoy who we are? We don't need to erase the differences. We need to embrace the differences. And, and when we're not, and, and in the differences, realize we're not saying better or worse. We're saying different. I'm, I'm uh, Scandinavian, Swedish in heritage. I'm really different than an Italian. I really like Italians. Some of my best friends in the world are Italian, and I always smile at how they do things. They think my life's boring. I don't think theirs is better. They don't think mine is better. They're different. We grew up in different heritages. It's okay. Celebrate them.
Now, when you start putting better or worse with it, you've got a problem. See, God, God created things, and he created things in a certain way. And what you're finding in the culture in which you live is we're trying to erase the differences. We're trying to erase it rather than celebrate it. He made men and women. He made us different. You go through, and it's interesting. I don't want to read all this to you, but there's, there's obviously much written on this California-Idaho thing from people who know far more than I do, and they're just saying, you know what? It's, it's, it's basically kind of a silly argument. California is saying there, there is, you know, at any point in your life, you can just tell them what gender you are, and you can be that. And, and the people who are in science even are saying, that's kind of silly. But we can't say it because then you think you're bothering somebody or hurting them. And you're really not. Here's what's interesting. In James 1, 27, it says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. There really are two areas here that it talks about. People who actually love God, they have a relationship with God, they're concerned about two things, the structure of the family, and when that deteriorates, they do something about it. The structure of the family. That's important. Believe it or not, the structure is important. Husbands, wives, the way God made it, it's important. And they care. It, it was meant to be that there's a husband, a, a wife. The, the study that was done by several different um, psychology places said this. It, I just want to read one of the conclusions to you from the Almanac of American something or other. From Michael Barone. He said, nonetheless... It is an uncomfortable truth that children of divorce and children with unmarried parents tend to do much worse in life than children of two-parent families. I'll leave aside the sensitive issue of children of same-sex marriages because these haven't existed in a non-stigmatized atmosphere long enough to produce measurable results. As Schultz points out, the uncomfortable truth is not controversial among social scientists. It's affirmed by undoubted liberals such as Harvard's David Elwood and Christopher Jenks. Growing up outside a two-parent family means that not just lower incomes and less social mobility, Schultz argued, also reduces human capital, the knowledge, education, habits, willpower. It says when children are born with certain innate cap uh, capacities, those capacities can be broadened or narrowed by their upbringing. The numbers indicate that single or divorced parents, however caring and dedicated, are unable on average to broaden those capabilities as much as married parents. Now it goes on, it's a big, long report. I tell you, it's, it's troubling to try and even read that because some of you are saying, well, I only have a single parent and you're... No, here's what I'm saying. You can be doing fine. You can be because it does, as Hillary Clinton used to say, and she was right, it takes a village to raise a child. If you have been around those who are living the way they should, you can pick up the right examples. But the bottom line really is, if you have the stability of a mom and dad, if you have it, if you do have it, it gives you an advantage. That's what all the studies say. Now, it may be slim, and there are people that say as they get older, you can erase that advantage because of the discipline you have and the things that you do, you can do that. Some of you are saying, well, 
I'll never get the chance. Yes, you will. You, what you want to do, and, and really what you need to do, is, is look and find people who are living according to the biblical standards and just observe their lives. Ask to be a part of it. Look, if you've never seen it, you need to see it. You need to be a part of it because the example's important to you. That's all. Because if you go back in time, you realize, okay, God made it this way. This is the best way. Can you turn out if it's not the best in your life? Sure you can. But, but then you don't say, well, there's an exception. This guy turned out just great, and you know, he was raised by his grandma. Fine. Does that mean there's not a best way? What you want to do is, is, is leave the nonsense behind where you can't talk about what's best. And realize that there are people that are exceptions all the time. There are people that do extremely well in situations that are not best, but they do well. God's grace, God's mercy, whatever that might be. But for your life personally, shoot for what's best. In other words, what did God create the family to be? Created it to be one man, one woman. If you're going to get married, be committed to each other for life. Be committed to your family. Make that a very important relationship. That's what's best. You know, you know how hard it is to say that because so many people in our country go, so you just cut me down in my family. I didn't cut anybody down. I said, here's what's best. And yet there are many people, many people in this room who have done extremely well in less than best conditions. I understand that. But that still doesn't mean you don't shoot for what's best. And see, the sensitivity is a guy like me that comes up and talks like this, before you know it, you're saying, nobody should talk like that. Yeah, that's why a generation is growing up saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. You still should shoot for what's best. But what if it doesn't? Well, then still shoot for what's best when it falls apart. See, there's ways to keep working toward what's best. But you need to know what the Bible says to, to see what's best. It's interesting here that James is talking about the, the, the things that really you need to do when the, when the family falls apart and there's orphans. We need to step in and start to give those orphans a place to be. Because what's best isn't there, so the church needs to step up and give those orphans what they need. Uh, widows. Obviously, marriage divided by death somehow. So what we need to do is step up, take care of the widows, because there was a structure in place that was best, but it fell apart. Now, in America, we have a harder time understanding that. I was in Africa, and when a, when a, a husband died, especially one of the church, the church had to really kick in and take care of the widow. If not, the Muslim group would come by. They, wouldn't, they couldn't work. They would not allow the women to work. So there was no job, and there was no way for that woman to take care of her children and feed them. So the church needed to do that. Or the only alternative was to be another wife of one of the Muslims and convert to, to Muslim or Islam. See, they needed to take care of the widow because the consequences were dire. And that's what 
we're told in James, if, if you've got this relationship with God, right, this religion that's pure and undefiled before God, first visit orphans and widows in their affliction. When they have trouble because the structure fell apart, we as the church need to be there to pick it up. And to keep yourself unstained from the world. What that unstained word means is unspotted, not even spotted. See, there's people out there that think that there's other ways to do things. That's of the world. Don't let that influence you. Please don't let that influence you. And, and that's all that he's saying there. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, whoever trusts in his riches will fail, but, whoever, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind. I really wanted to get to that line, whoever troubles his own household. If you look at that and how it's written and what's, what's being said there is, the one who disturbs, it, 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 the real word there is muddied the waters. The one who, who goes into a family and keeps causing disturbances and muddies that family and muddies the structure and muddies the life of the family. Don't do that. That ruins your future. See, that's what it says. It ruins your future. Why? Because there's a structure there for young people to grow up healthy. Don't ruin it. Don't go in there and mess it up. I think really when I look at our country right now that to minimize the family is, is, is one of Satan's great tools. I think people your age need to be told, you know what, it, families are a great thing. You get older, if you ever want to get married, please do. Men, you marry women. Women, you marry men. You commit to each other for the rest of your life. If you have children in that commitment, blessings on you. Love them. Care for them. There's not one person in this room who would say, yeah, that's a bad plan. It's really a bad plan to, to really give children stability for all their life. No, you wouldn't say that. You'd say, no, that's a good plan. If you talk to people my age who have been committed to their to God and been committed to their families and been committed to their spouse all their life, they'll say, boy, I wouldn't do it any other way. It's been really great. I, I thoroughly enjoy being married. I thoroughly enjoy the fact that God set up the institution of marriage. And it's been an absolute blessing in my life. I thoroughly enjoy the stability that we've been able to give our two daughters. I've thoroughly enjoyed the process of taking care of them and providing for them till now they're on their own. They can do things themselves. I don't know anyone that, that says it's too bad that we had a, a family that lived in harmony, cared for each other, and the kids grew up to be decent individuals and aren't in jail. I don't know anyone that regrets that. But there are people who value the idea of relationships, first with God and then with each other. They value the idea of commitment. They value the idea of difference, by the way, differences. I don't want Linda to be a male. I want her to be the female God made her to be. I want her to be a mom. She wants me to be a dad. My kids want me to be a dad. They don't want me to be their mom. They, don't want, me to, they want me to be their dad. I'm not always sure that's a compliment sometimes when they talk to me about it, but I think that's good. <laughs> because we're different. And those who muddy the waters will inherit the wind. And the fool will be the servant of the wise. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life, and whoever captures soul is wise. 
You go through there, and, and, and down below it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. What, what context is that in the family? See, parents have a role. Their, their role is to guide, direct. Kids do something they shouldn't do is to don't do that. Correct them. Don't minimize the role of the family that way. We can't do that. In um, the book of Judges, each man was right in their own eyes, and it was a disaster. And really, the, if you want an interesting study, go into the book of Judges, and you see, I think it's 13 times there's a cycle that takes place. And each time, it's because they do what's right in their own eyes. Really, the structure is, is critical. There's wives, there's husbands, there's children, there's workers. If you look in the Bible, there's a structure for each part of society. Let me read to you Colossians 3, 18 to 25. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything that pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, this is where you work, by the way. Bond servants were voluntary. I go and serve there, but bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance and your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. For there is no partiality. You go through that passage and, and what you see is wives, husbands, children, fathers, bond servants. Whatever you do, there's a plan. Let's get it organized. Let's do it the way it was intended to do. It's, there's actually an intention. And when you live within the intention, there's peace. You know, some wives would say, I, you know, submit to my husband. But, I promise you this, if your husband loves you like, like, he, like Christ loved the church, you have no problem submitting to him. It'll be a really fun thing to do. Yes, husbands have a responsibility to live a certain way. Wives have a responsibility to live a certain way. Children have a responsibility to live a certain way. When you do it according to the plan, it works. So, so really what I'm asking you to do is, is not start to fall into the trap in our country to believe that family is anything, to be defined as anything, that, that it doesn't matter if you're committed to one another, that divorce is inevitable, that everyone's going to get it, that, no, don't do that. Set your ideal on what the ideal is that God gives us and say, here's what I want to do in life. You may not be able to have everybody in the country do that, but you can do that. You can set your standard and say, I want it to be the way it's supposed to be. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to do the way it's not supposed to be. Do it the way it's supposed to be. And one day, your spouse will be thankful. Your children will be blessed and they'll be thankful. See, these are good things. You all and many of you may have experienced the heartache that happens when families get torn apart. 
That's not fun to go through. You know why? It's not meant to be that way. So don't start off thinking it's going to be that way. Live your life in a way where you understand what the expectations are and live within the context of them. You do that. Again, you may not have had the example in your life yet, but find the example or you be the example. I often look at my own dad as an example. His dad was a drunk who beat his kids regularly and, and half the time was not around. To me, he was a wonderful dad. I never saw him lose his temper. See, he determined that he saw a bad example. He knew what he shouldn't do. And he was a great dad. Oh, yeah, he got into a youth group where he had mentors. He saw marriages. He understood what the Bible said. And his two sons both went into ministry. Both of his sons have been married over, you know, minus 40 years. I think my brother's is 40-something. But not my dad's family. My dad's family was a wreck. I'm not saying that if your family was a wreck, you're, you've got a disadvantage. No, you may have an advantage, actually. You've already seen all the garbage firsthand, up close and personal. You don't want that. Set it up right from the beginning. Because, you know, I, it's been a blessing for me to have a dad who took care of me like he did. And on the other hand, I tried to bless him as his son by doing what he wanted me to do. There's a way it's supposed to be. Don't apologize for it. But don't at the same point think, well, yeah, we can't love people. Or that. No, we understand that it isn't always working out that way. But shoot for the way it's supposed to be. The expectations are really clear and narrow. You have heard it said, Matthew 5, 27, you shall not commit adultery, but I say that everyone that even looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, Jesus goes through and says, you know what, I want you to understand the importance of the structure that I'm setting up. I want people to be faithful to each other. I want people to look at each other, enjoy each other, and not share certain things with other people. That's the way it should be. You want to be healthy, that's the way I made it. Set it up that way. That's all. You say, that's very narrow. It is. I didn't put it there. God did. said, this is the way I intended it. And when you live, again, within the way that it's intended, whoa, it's great. But if you live outside of that, it isn't going to work. It's interesting. You go into uh, Romans 1. 26 says, for this reason, God gave them up for dishonorable passions. When you look at God giving up on people, he gave in. He just said, okay, you want to live that way? Let's see how it works. Let's see how it works. And what, what happened in Romans 1 is they went into everything that was anti-family. Homosexual relationships, women with women, men with men, the whole works. They went into that, and God was saying, okay, if you want to. What's going to happen is you're going to be a people that are totally destroyed because you're not living according to the way I created you to be. That's all. You need to live in a manner that I created you to be. Proverbs 
6.32, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He doesn't destroy himself. Again, it's, it's, I didn't create you to do that. I created you to be faithful, believe it or not. Faithful to one another. He created you right now, as you aren't married in this room, he created you men to look at these ladies like they're your sisters and take care of them. He created people to try and help each other be what they should be. Can you imagine living in a world like that? When we say this, well, that would be wonderful if we could look. Well, you live in a world like that, then you do it. You create that reality because that's the way it's supposed to be. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Close with this slide. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, a debased mind, unapproved, worthless. If you go into that passage, it basically says, for although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God, where our culture is today. Even though they say they know God and God we trust is on our money, they don't honor God as God. They don't listen to God. God isn't the authority of our country. So he says, fine, I'm not the authority, so live without me. And as that happens, they became futile in their thinking. Foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust to their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie because they didn't live in the context of the way he made it. He said, fine, that's your choice. That, that's your choice. Some of you say, well, we don't have a choice. You really do have a choice, and it really does have consequences. Read it. If you want to ignore God, there comes a point where he says, okay, let's see how that works. And it doesn't work well. Gave them up. For their women exchanged natural, natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to the, their debased minds to do what they had not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliceness. What, what, what goes on here is, is basically God says, you don't want to have me as God? You don't want to listen to the way I made it? You don't want to understand the structure I gave you? Okay, then live, with, live on your own. And what happens is that description, and if you read that, it describes where we are as a country. You know, one of the scariest thoughts for any of us should be if the idea that God would withdraw from us. Because that's what you have left when that happens. And God says it, not Dave. I mean, he just says it. That's what I do. There's going to be envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, matters of evil, disobedient to parents. They're going to be disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, though they know what God says, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. 
I mean, Romans 1 is very clear. It says, you know, if you as a people are going to ignore me and want to live outside of the way that I made you, there'll be a price to pay. And I'll let you do it, but you're not going to like the price. That's not that hard to understand. Yesterday I asked you to be self-disciplined. Today I want you to, to make sure that you as an individual understand what God says about family and get yourself in line with what he says. If you've had poor examples up till now, find some good examples. Go into the Bible, check out what it says about relationships and how they should be and families, how they should be. There's no reason you can't set up your future family to be the way God intended it to be. There's no reason you can't do that. The nation isn't doing it. We're not talking about everybody in the nation. You're talking about yourself right here. If the nation is going to be healed, it's because individuals of the nation start to do what's right. We can't get the whole nation to do what's right. So we as individuals need to do what's right. It's not right to hate people. It's always right to help people. There are many, many moms trying to raise kids without dads that we need to help. We need to get in their lives and see if we can help them. There's probably dads raising kids that need help too. But as for us, let's set the goal of trying to set the standard as God's standard and live in that context if we can and see what God does with our families in the future. It's the best way to do it because God said it is. It's hard to do in our country because of the extreme defensiveness that happens when you disagree with somebody. And the way that they keep claiming that you don't care for them, you don't love them, you, it's not true. If you heard me say anything against single parents, I, you didn't listen to what I said. I'm not going after anybody. I'm telling you that you as an individual need to make a decision to live your life the way God intended you to if you don't want regrets when you get older. And that's how he changed the nation. And if all of you get married someday and if you, God blessed you with children and they all loved God and you had stable families, you'd be doing more to help the nation than a lot of other people. So let's do what we can do. And support those families that are actually doing that the best you can. And those that need help, help them. Father, again, thank you that we could meet tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your clarity and simplicity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.